0: Amen. Thank you, Cheryl. Well, if you have your Bibles, please open to that verse in Acts chapter two. Excuse me, chapter two, and that's Ephesians chapter two, verses nineteen through twenty-two. Ephesians two, nineteen through twenty-two, and then flip in your um, Bible if you have a little marker there or some way. Eventually, we're going to get to Acts two, forty-two through forty-seven. So, Ephesians two. 19 through 22 and Acts 2, 42 through 47. It, it's on that slide, and it's also on your bulletin as well if you, if you need that scripture reference. There is a, um, a story about a, a guy that in the middle of a sermon that got up and, and walked out of service, and he was kind of stumbling out, and, and, and the pastor was just really, really confused as, as to what was going on with him. And a lady came up to him, after service, and said, "Her her wife, his wife came up to him after said, pastor. I'm so sorry for my husband. I just want you to know he wasn't offended or anything by what you said, or there's nothing that you said that was wrong." And I, and the pastor said, "I was just concerned for him. He just, he didn't look well." He's like, "No, pastor, it's that's not it at all. He just tends to walk in his sleep." So that that's that's the story. Now, there's something to be said. Many seem to think that the church is getting a little sleepy, that the church is losing its effectiveness, and some think that we are forgetting who we are. Now, if you would to, to go online, Barna is a guy that has a lot of really accurate church statistics, but it is very hard to find church statistics because. Uh, the way people research is different. Barn is probably the best resource, but even his things, some of what he says is really inconsistent. But the one thing that, well, one statistic that I discovered is that many people believe that only 6% of churches in America are growing today. Uh, if you go with the three sizes of 0 to 100 as a small church, 100 to 500 as a medium-sized church, and 500 and over as a large church most people still attend um, a small, or most people still attend a small church. Um, statistics say newer churches are the ones that are growing, um, and, and so all of these things to say that that the church in America, most statistics will tell you that it is in a decline, and at best it is at a very long and flat plateau. Now, the reason for the higher statistics would just be because. People are having a hard time figuring out how all the social media and the people that watch sermons online and give and are active, how all that connects to the church, whether those are actually real members or not. So that's why, where it, it fails some of the statistics. But the reason I bring all of that stuff up to you this morning is to take a few days. This isn't a series we're going to get into Um, Next week, we're going to tag on to a lot of these things in our reaffirmation Sunday. But I need to take a few moments and bring you back to texts like this one in Ephesians and like this one in Acts chapter 2. Texts that I've shared with you before, especially Acts chapter 2. It goes all the way back to our membership class. Days to remind us of who we are and exactly what it is we are trying to accomplish here. Because with this trend happening in our country... We, will not be an, we must understand that we will not be an exception to this trend without intentionality and without the move of the Spirit of God in our midst. Now, I want to tell you, the church is growing in the world. It's growing all across the world. It's not growing in America, but it's growing all across the world. In our, we I sent our... Um, I sent our deacons this week an email uh, with about five things that just have, have been happening here that are really good, that are signs of growth just in the last three months, significant things that have taken place just in the last three months. But again, I say that if we just go through the motions and show up on Sunday and see what happens, we will fall right in line with all of these statistics. So we have to have moments like this where we consider, what will we do to be the exception? And church, I want you to understand that the the answer to that is right here in Scripture. And it it is right in front of our face in these texts that we're going to read. So the title of the, the message today is simple. We are a church. Now, I know that you may think that's a bit of a Captain Obvious statement. Like, what other p- bullet points do you have for us, Pastor Brody? Today is Sunday. It's going to get dark this evening. Uh, I know it seems like a pretty obvious statement, but the, the challenge is that that word itself, C-H-U-R-C-H, can actually be deceiving. Because the Greek word that we get the word, the English word C-H-U-R-C-H from, comes from the word ecclesia, ecclesia which and this word in scripture never not one time does it refer to a structure like this it never refers to a structure a best su- summary is the, the, a, a simple definition for that word is an assembly of people and the context that it was used for the assembly of Christ followers so what i'm trying to get To to get you to understand is this, the word church has always referred to the people, not the place. We are a church, not just a place of worship, a people of worshipers. So just make sure we're really clear when we begin this. The contrast, there is a contrast between the place and the people And that often really confuses our understanding of who we are and what it is we're supposed to be accomplishing today. So here's a few questions to you. Is the church a place that you go to or is it who you are? Is it a time slot on Sunday morning or a 24-7 calling? Is it a program that you are a part of or supernatural power that you possess? Is it a place that you come to take a nap or a spur of people that push you and remind you of who you really are? Let's begin this morning with a word of prayer. Today, on a gloomy Sunday morning, Lord, we want to be awake We want to recognize the times around us coming off of off of a Sunday when many attend churches all across America. This Sunday is often a back to reality moment. And here we are right in front of me is a group of people that decided that today matters. We're going to begin this week and place you first in our life. And many here all across this church, they, they return time and time again, and some for, for different reasons than, uh, than others. But, Lord, I believe you are moving in their life. And I believe you are spurring them in a way that, that calls them that there is more than what you've experienced. I am not done with you yet. There is power that I want to give you that if you have yet to open up and you have yet to use. And so, Lord, I pray you would stir our hearts this morning. And remind us of who we are. Remind us of the uniqueness of our calling and the responsibility that has been given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Again, if you have in your Bibles, you're just going to look there. We won't have the verses um, on the screen this morning. Ephesians 2, verse 19 says... Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So we talked about before the cross and after the cross. Before the cross, sorry, you weren't included. You weren't part of the people of God. You would have been what was called a Gentile. That means you could worship God from the outside, but you weren't considered to be a part of the people of God. And so what Paul is saying in this text is what God, what Jesus did for us on the cross was he brought all of us together. And now you are chosen. Now, so it's like you went and applied for a job that you didn't know if you were going to get, but you were really, really excited about that job. And you got the call back and they said, sorry, you just didn't make the cut. But then three days later, you get the call back, and it said the, the, the boss has now accepted all applicants. But this, but you're as excited as you are about the job, and days like today, you need to be reminded that you got the job, but now there's work to do. You are part of the church, you are part of the church of the living God, you're part of the church of Jesus Christ, and you are a chosen, accepted people. And your application was at some point in your life you said yes to Jesus Christ. And you said, I'm in. And even last week we talked, we're going to talk more about those confessions. So I'll get to that in just a minute. But the second verse, verse 20. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Remember how we said that foundation began? Last week, Jesus, Peter said something. Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, uh, first he asked them, who do others say that I am? And then Jesus likes to set these things up. And, And we can always talk about what everybody else says. We can talk about what other people's experience have and how those people are a little too religious. Those people that carry the flags in church, those people are a little too crazy for me. Those people that stand on street corners and, <clears throat> and, and, and say hurtful things to others in the name of the Lord. I'm, I'm not one of them. Okay, and Jesus looks in Peter's eyes, just like he looks into yours and to mine, and he says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? How does this matter to you? How does this matter to you, Bruce Cunningham? How does this matter to you, Joe Leach? How does this matter to you, Ty McGuire? What, who do you say that I am? And Peter makes a confession. He says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. Uh, we, we shared this last week, and it's, what's magnificent about this is that Peter made the right confession, but he still didn't completely know what it was he was saying. He still didn't know all of what this entailed for him. And G- Peter really believed that Jesus was going to come and set up his kingdom, and he was going to be right there as his right-hand man. But even on this faulty confession, Christ says, you've got the right understanding of who I am. What you think happens next, that's going to be a slippery slope. But the foundation is upon that confession of who you think, who you believe I am. And Jesus affirms it in Peter. You are right. It's on this revelation. It's upon this foundation. And now Paul is continuing that in this chapter. He says the foundation, the first revelation to the apostles and the disciples, they began to do the work with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And in verse 21 through 22, here's what it says. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So what is it that is being built here? Is it a structure like this? No. He's talking again about Ecclesia. Ecclesia, about people. People that aren't like each other. Jews and Gentiles, they're being built together. People that have different gifts, people that have that conflicting personalities. Just like Jesus says in the Great Commission, go to Judea and Samaria. Go to people that you don't even like and tell them who I am and make disciples of nations. We are being built together as one. Now, I know those of you like Dean who does construction every day know that building isn't going to happen by osmosis. It's not going to happen Because you said, okay, I've made a confession, now thus be built. It takes a plan, it takes intentionality, and yes, of course, it takes work. And so as the place where God dwells, the church of Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility here. If we are going to say we are a church, then church, we better mean it. See, in 1 Timothy 3.15, it says the church is a pillar and the foundation of truth, the holders of truth. Ephesians 5.19 says it's a place where people edify each other, empower each other. Galatians 6.1-2 says the church is a place where we restore those who falter in the faith, not push them away. Matthew 18 tells us it's a place where discipline is even exercised in some cases. Romans 12.2 tells us the church is in the world, but it does not conform to the world. In Matthew 16, 18 through 19, and Colossians 1, 11 through 18, they all tell us that the church is the initial manifestation, the initial manifestation of the coming of the kingdom of God. Jesus is coming. Scripture is written in such a way that the church of Jesus Christ ushers in his coming. A lot like John the Baptist today I baptize you with water, but someone is coming whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with fire. We are the church of Jesus Christ who ushers in the kingdom of God. So we'll do a little audience participation. This is the place where the presence of God dwells. If you've noticed, where my finger is pointing is not biblically accurate because I'm pointing to a building. I'm pointing to a place. So go ahead, everybody do this. Look at the person next to you or behind you and point to them. Don't touch anything, just point to them. And look at them and say it in their eyes this is the place where the presence of God dwells. This is the place where the presence of God dwells. Come on, you are the church, not this place. You are the church of Jesus Christ. And that carries with it a great responsibility to, yes, be who you confess that you are. And some of you, like, you just showed up on Sunday mornings, like, whoa, I, I just wanted to come and watch today. Now you're telling me I am the church. I, I am something that I, I didn't really know what I was getting into. That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's what Peter did, too. He said, you are the Messiah. And me and you, Jesus, we're going to build a kingdom. Jesus is like to Peter, Peter, you're right but you have no stinking idea what's going to happen next. See, so you're, Your you're Father in Heaven says that to you today, too. He loves you. He knows you better than you know yourself. It's like, I, I, I knew that these moments would come in your life, but don't ever lose sight of who I am and don't ever stop pursuing me. Your expectations, your feelings, your emotions, and even your perspectives will fail you but I won't fix your eyes upon me and follow me now see Paul's as I shared with you Paul's exposition of this letter is about how Jews and the Gentiles are being built together but building doesn't happen unintentionally it happens intentionally so Acts 242 the other text I asked you to go to is a passage that we use in membership class, it's a passage I feel like whenever I talk about the church, um, I'm always landing back on this text because there is so much loaded in this passage that that reveals what the first church looked like. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. And before we go there, I want you to before I begin with that verse, I'm actually going to go all the way to the beginning. The very last sentence, in that um, passage, in verse 47, it says, The last sentence is, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I've heard it preached one time before that this whole um, rest of this verse, everything that builds up to this moment, is a formula for how you grow the church. Now, I don't really disagree with that statement, but they're missing uh, that these things, that this last sentence is a consequence of growth. This growth is already happening. It isn't just about the numbers, more people. It is about the people that are already there that are growing. Growth was already happening. And the numbers were a consequence. The numbers are what took place because the people, the ecclesia, the church of Jesus Christ was growing. So their numbers were added to because they were doing what they were created to do. Others were responding to this group of people and they were giving their lives to the living God. So let's take a look at what is in this passage. I'm going to go through this rather quickly, but I'll read it. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So quickly, just a few recaps. It says they were devoted to teaching, the teaching of the word of God. They were devoted to purposeful fellowship. They were devoted to communion and remembering and celebrating the Lord's move in their life. They were devoted to prayer. They were filled with with awe. There were miracles performed in their midst. Jesus said that when he ascended. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And there's this theme in the Gospel of Luke that we just went through. We talked about all the time. That the people would that one of the the revelations that someone gets it is that in their life they stop consuming and start giving. And the text that I just read it said in verse forty five, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They started to realize their life was about giving. They had an attitude of gratitude and worship in the midst of persecution they know how to praise because they recognize if they don't praise the rocks will and other things other there are other things that are getting god's praise so the church of jesus christ must know how to worship and it said the lord added to their number daily now again all of these were signs of devotion i think i preached a message a few weeks ago called or months ago called devoted <clears throat> So let's be really clear. When we read all of these things, this wasn't just a Sunday morning. The word Sunday isn't even in here. It had nothing to do with the structure. It had nothing to do with the place. So I have a few we don't just for you. See, we don't just come to church to pray. We come to church as men and women who have been in prayer. We don't just come to feel good about ourselves. We come to empower others with the joy of the Lord. We don't just come to church to worship we come worshiping. We don't just come to church to hear about the Bible. We come as students of Scripture. A church is not the only place where our relationship with the Lord, where the, our relationship with the Lord takes place. It is the place where our relationship with the Lord is celebrated, strengthened and shared in community. Community. As Paul said, a bunch of people who have their differences, who aren't like each other, are built together in this amazing thing called the church. Now, I hope you notice in this passage that verse 42 through 47 is all about getting together over the Word of God. Now, maybe the Word of God is, is too... Um, uh, indirect or maybe it's too direct, but they're getting together about the things of God. They're getting together with an excitement about what God is doing in their midst. Now, as I've said multiple times in this this morning already, I want all of you to understand that I'm very glad that you are here. There's something significant. There's something that is a rem, that, that you are a part of a remnant. If you've heard the statistics that I shared with you this morning, because you are here, in a in a small church on a sunday morning when the church in america is losing its relevance and it's dying there's something special about you that you showed up this sunday morning that today matters to you i believe that to be true but i also believe, also believe that this this environment here on a sunday morning provides an easy opportunity easy opportunity for church C-H-U-R-C-H, in Greek, E-C-C-L-E-S-I-A, I think. I probably messed that up. Ecclesia. Sunday provides an easy opportunity for church to just be a spectator sport. Just a place you come and watch, in and out the doors, and I'm going to go on about my life. See, the NFL draft was, was happening this last, last three days, and I often caught myself watching the Bengals drafts and saying, we just drafted Michael Jordan. The Bengals did, they drafted Michael Jordan. He's an offensive lineman for the Ohio State Buckeyes. But but we, like I have, have something to do with the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm just a spectator. I just watch and I, I get excited when they lose, and I get depressed for days when I mean depressed for days when they lose and, and excited when they win. There's a tendency for this environment to just breed spectators. And so as an alter response this morning. There are many of you that aren't. There are many of you that have already taken many steps forward, but the one thing that we have struggled with at times is to get others to take a step forward around the Word of God. And so I've given you, uh, when you came in this morning, you should have got a survey. The survey is really, is, is that I hope it's pretty easy to understand um, what we're asking you to do here. But we have had, uh, just tell you a little bit, and now I've, I've, I've kind of given you the spiritual side of this. I want to give you the pragmatic side of this, okay? Um, as, as adults, we have an adult Sunday school class. We have had, that class has grown, definitely grown significantly in the last few years. It's exciting to see more people joining. And, and for, for those that come, that is a moment where you do gather around the Word of God. And this is also an invitation to that class, but I realize that there are a lot of you, for whatever reason, Sunday morning doesn't work. For whatever reason, whatever's being discussed isn't something you're interested in. I don't know what it is. That's why I'm asking you these questions. I want to encourage everyone in our congregation to take a step toward community. We've been encouraging. We, so we have a Wednesday night opportunity that we could do an adult study. But we have to have interest for it. There have to be people that want to gather around the Word of God. I've encouraged our deacons to this, this summer and as, as we met together this last year to consider doing some small groups and just meeting together over the Word of God. But it will have to happen with hunger that comes from the church, not the structure that comes from the people of God. So we need your help. If we're going to grow in this area, then we're open to your ideas. We're open to time slots that work. So this survey is full of maybe some topics that you would be interested in studying, and there's a place for your own suggestion. And there's also time slots. There's also a scoring and a ranking for time slots that would work for you, because we know for some, if we do something on Wednesday nights, maybe you would like to be there, but the time slot just doesn't work for you. You've got other things that are occupied. I'm asking, encouraging all of you, please join us and take a step towards community. Take a step towards engaging in the Word of God. Right now, you're just hearing this big dork be a talking head, all right? But, but when you get together and begin to engage the Word of God, I, I got to believe, church, that what I see in Acts 2.42 looks a lot more like a morning Sunday school class or a small group than what we're doing right here. It's people engaging each other over the Word of God, over Scripture, sharing with each other, empowering each other, doing life, doing community, And what began to happen when they started doing all those things? See, they were growing together, and growth, growth breeds more growth. Others came and wanted to be a part of that. So, as your altar call this morning, I want to encourage you to fill out this survey for us. Um, I meant to get—I think I have a basket. I'll try to get a basket uh, at the door before you leave, and you can have this another week. I'll still continue to be doing this next week as well. Um, but but please, if you can fill that out and turn that in, I would greatly appreciate it. It's going to help us make some decisions as deacons on some ways we can take a next step together into community. Now, I want you to be clear. I want to be clear. This is the intentionality that I'm talking about. You are the church, and you are created to build. It is it is your intention and your purpose in which things are built. It's not just going to happen. You have to be intentional and you have to take a step forward. Let's be built together as the kingdom of God. Let's take a step towards the community. And let's be the church of Jesus Christ in such a time as this. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for everyone that is here this morning. For all of them that have said yes. But now, around your word... We want to be people that say yes to each other, that say yes to the word of God, that say yes to realizing that there are others that have had experiences that they need to hear from, that say yes to realizing there are others that I need to empower that can learn from me, that realize just this, that just me joining in is empowering, is encouraging, because we're reminded that we are all in this together. So, Lord, may we be a community that is growing that is devoted, that is sharing, that is giving, and that are fixing our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.